Good morning. It's good to see all of you. It's good to be seen by some of you. (laughs) Uh, If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, verses 1 through 6, and also from Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. And Paul, writing to the Romans. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In the movie, Saving Private Ryan, it's a war movie. Captain Miller, Tom Hanks' character, and nearly the whole platoon loses their lives. They lose their lives to save Private Ryan. They've survived the beaches of Normandy, trekking across the French countryside until they find Ryan's group. And then while trying to blow up a a bridge to prevent the Nazis from advancing, nearly the whole platoon is killed, even Captain Miller. But with his last breath, he tells Ryan, James, Earn this. Earn it. So here's a question. 
If this is expect, if this is the expected response of your temporal life being saved by men, how much more should the response be if your life has been saved eternally by the mercy of God? See, when we get a view through the mercy of God, it changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see others. It changes the way we operate in serving. This is what Paul says in view of God's mercy. So through the view of God's mercy, it changes the way we see ourselves. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So viewing through God's mercy, it changes the way you view your body. It's what Paul says in, in verse 1. You no longer. So back in chapter 1, he said that the, what we did with our bodies was degrading our bodies with one another. In Romans 1.24, but now they are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So considering that your body is, and what you do with your body is now an act of worship to God. But not only that, he says it transforms your mind so that you're no longer pressed into the world's mold. The pattern of, of thinking that, that didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. And so God gave them over to a depraved mind. That's Romans one twenty eight. But now, so Paul saying now you, the view through God's mercy changes the way you think about yourself. So your body and your mind is now the, the way you think, the way you act is now changed. Think through, he says, think through the grace that is given you. And he uses himself as an example. He's in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. Now remember, Paul is and has been a bigoted Jew. Paul, he was a rising star in the good old boy network of the Pharisees. He was being groomed for leadership in the Sanhedrin. He would murder for the cause of of Judaism, and he did. But it was while he was on his way to lock up some more of those heretical Christians, Christ caught him. And, and he became God's chosen instrument to take, the me- to take the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he says here, look, I know that I don't have any right naturally to speak to you about any of this. But I say it by the grace given me to every one of you. So by the way. Paul's approach. How is it when you approach other? How how do you approach other people? Are you coming at them with tongue ablazing, assuming you have the right to let them have a piece of your mind that you can't afford to give? Or do you approach them on the basis of the grace that God has given to you and them? Do you come as one humbled by the mercy you've been shown? 
See, Paul's remembering how he got to where he is in the plan of God to reconcile the world to himself. He didn't appoint himself. He's there because of the enabling grace of God. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Think with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. See, there's a humility that receiving the mercy of God brings to our minds. And you know how we are usually when we think about ourselves. Our our self-confidence is always writing checks that our abilities aren't able to cash. You know what that means, right? See, years ago when our kids were little, our sons, you know, when they were, they, they, they thought they could swim. Even though they had never been a pool. Yeah, I knew what they meant, though. They, they were confident that they could do it. But they had no ability. And so we took them to one of those YMCA summer camps and, and we got them some swimming lessons. And this was so that their confidence wouldn't write them a check that their abilities couldn't cash. See, because jumping in the pool thinking you can swim is quite a different thing from jumping in the pool and you've been taught how to swim, how to breathe, how to float, how to stroke. Yeah, you see, we usually, yeah, we usually, we give ourselves more credit than we should, especially when we've had success in in an area. When you have success in one area, you tend to think that you know about every area. And when those who think they know it all walk into the room, they upset those of us who do. You see, Paul says, in view of the mercies of God, in renewing of your mind, according to the grace that you've been given, set all that puffed up knowledge, that prideful stuff aside. Because none of those things canceled your sins. In fact, you and I were bankrupt and it takes God to give us the measure of faith. God gives us faith. That's a mercy. And what a mercy. Whatever it is, whatever you have as a child of God, it's, it's not by what your hands have done. See, when we view ourselves through God's mercy, we're humble, realizing that even the faith to believe Christ is a gift from God. But in the text, it po- this poses a, a potential problem because the text tells us to think so as to act soberly in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. So this presupposes that the measure of faith is given as God sees fit. And it's not a quantitative thing. It's not a matter of, of somebody got more than someone else. It is, it's a qualitative thing. God has given each of us faith for different things. But everyone, we all, he's given all of us, every child of God has faith. But he doesn't treat us all alike. So it doesn't give us, it doesn't give one a cause to gloat over another or to act superior over someone else. Nor is it something to be envious or jealous about. That somebody else has been given something that you didn't receive. See, that's why it says to think so as to act sanely, soberly, humbly, modestly, prudently. See, with God's mercy in view, it changes the way you see yourself. 
And it changes the way you see others. Because the text goes on, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You see, God doesn't treat us all alike. When he, gives his, when he gives us faith, he treats us as he pleases because we all have different functions is what the text is saying. We're all gifted, but we don't all have the same gift. We're all in the same body, but we don't all do the same thing. This is a matter of function, not a matter of fairness. And the concern is unity, not uniformity. The diversity is by design. And the differences are desired. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. And in view of God's mercy, you recognize that we're not all supposed to function the same. I find it fascinating here in the text that Paul turns this direction, that he turns, he turns to the community and not merely the individual, but how the individual operates in the community. Because the view in God's mercy has united us together in one body. It's, it's diverse. It's, it's, and yet unified. It's, it's having the same interest, concern, and goal. And verse five says that uh, about this goal, that it's, it's teaching us that, uh, that we are Christ's bodies, that we're Christ's body. We are not our own, the text says, and each member belongs to all the others. That's radical. It was radical in Rome. It's radical. It's radical in America. So this idea that, that it's very un-American. Because as Americans, we like to think of our individualism. We like to think of that it's, it's our individual personal pursuit of happiness and, and life and, and liberty. It's, you know, and we hear it in our songs. We, we hear it in movies. We hear it, we hear it in commercials. Express yourself. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the bearded lady and the greatest showman singing, yeah, this is who I am. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. I'm not knocking the song because, you know, I kind of like the song. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's a feel-good song. You know, but that's expressive individualism. That's American culture. Because we're all about our individuality. So the idea of giftedness that... That, that I possess is not for my benefit, but for another's. That's radical. But think about this. Think about how it impacts us as we live together, crossing cultures too. That no one culture is meant to dominate the other. That the diversity is intentional. The difference is by design. You say, is that in the text, Pastor? Yes, it is. You see, because you see, you, it's all over the book of Romans. And it's, and, and it's you, what, what you recognize when you're reading the book, first off, is that this is a Jewish man, this former bigot, who is writing to a mixture of ethnicities and classes there in Rome. And so this message of each member belonging to all the others continues to be a radical truth that is awaiting its fullest expression. You see, when we view others through the mercies of God, we see others as those who should benefit from the measure of faith that God has given to us. So imagine each culture sharing their unique richness, adding to the benefit of all the others. What a different picture that is. See, this, this challenges us on being mutually dependent. 
that we're made, we are made to depend upon each other. It's God's design. It's, it's not uniformity, but it's unity. See, in the midst, you think of our day and of the times that we're going through, you know, in the midst of racial division and violence, Christ's multi-ethnic body in her unity is a protest against the pattern of the world's segregation and division. And politics boasts about uniting us, but it has no ability. It's always writing a check with its confidence that its abilities can't cash. But Christ, who brought the mercy of God to us, saw that others should benefit from what God had given him. Just listen to Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. You see, Christ saw that others should benefit from what God had given him. And we, who are members of his body, we are to be like him in the world, bearing with the sins of others, making intercession for transgressors, putting an end to the hostility. It's seeing that the gifts that God has given are for the benefits of others. So then, the view through God's mercy changes the way we operate in our serving. Verse 6 through 8 continues, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I like Eugene Peterson's uh, paraphrase. It's a very practical paraphrase that he gives of this, of this passage in, in the message. He says, well, let's go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. Hmm. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Ah, I mean, it's very practical. You know, so, so, but here, the list of gifts, it's not exhaustive because there are other gifts in the scripture that, that, that's not listed here. So don't think you're off the hook <laughs> and don't feel left out either because you don't see your gift on the list. But with God's mercy in view, the way we operate in our service changes because it changes the reason we serve. And what reason, what's the reason? So we are no longer, 
Because of God's mercy, we are no longer trying to earn the righteousness of God. We're no longer trying to prove we are worth it. You know, in Saving Private Ryan, that, that was a difficult task. That was a difficult task that, that they were given. And all they had to motivate their search were the orders that they were given. And, and, the, whole, and the whole while that they're, that they're going across the, the, the countryside of France, they're questioning the sanity of this. They're questioning, and, and they gripe about, about the value of the man Ryan. And he questions his own value. Captain Miller's words haunt him as he's at the graveside there in Arlington, and he's looking at all these, he's looking at the captain's tombstone, and, and the last thing he says, he turns to his wife, he says, have I led a good life? Tell me, am I... Tell me I'm a good man. You see, he spent his whole, he spent his whole life trying to prove he was worthy of the lives that were lost to save his. Brothers and sisters, Christ lost his life to save ours. His sacrifice makes us worthy. If you think you can earn it, if you, think you, if you think you can prove you're worthy of it, you don't yet realize what it is that Christ has done for you. Isaiah describes this salvation, and if you think you can earn it, read Isaiah again. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever. My righteousness will never fail. You hear what he's saying? If you think you can earn it, heaven and earth will wear out. Heaven and earth aren't worth comparing to the salvation that God gives by his grace. Heaven and earth is not worth comparing to the righteousness that, that never fails. Heaven and earth will vanish and wear out. But Christ's salvation will last forever and God's righteousness will never fail. Jesus has earned, Christ has earned it for us. So our worth is bound up in him. And this is the truth we bask in. We don't earn what Christ did for us, but we honor it. We don't earn it, but we honor it with our obedience to the gospel. And the view through God's mercy changes the view of everything. In view of God's mercy, as Wesley said, all immense and free. May the Lord help us change the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, and the way we operate in our service. Let's pray. Lord, we are wholly dependent on you. You are the one who who bears us, and we aren't bearing you. You bear us, and, and we thank you, and we pray that you would continue to work your work in us by your spirit and molding us to the image of Christ. Lord, let us be a light in these dark times for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.